Welcome back into Sense of Saturday, Virginia Tech Hoops Pod. My name is Mike McDaniel, recording a pre-roll here today for our first official Hoops Pod of the year. Ed and I got together last week and talked for about 40 minutes uh, about the team this year, kind of like a preseason preview type pod. Uh, we got more preseason content to come ahead of the Hokies opener here in a couple weeks. But Ed and I got together um, on Hokies Media Day you know, to talk about who the Hokies have to replace, who they got coming in, fair expectations for the year, and just to kind of get this thing going, right? I mean, football's kind of slogging along right now. Team's not as not as good as a lot of us would hope. So a lot of us are turning our attention towards basketball here with Mike Young returning a really talented and maybe his deepest squad that he's had in Blacksburg so far. So Ed and I get into all of that. You're also going to hear an interview from Ed with newest Hokies forward, John Camden, a Memphis transfer who's coming in. He's got four full seasons of eligibility remaining, figures to have a pretty big role on this roster here this year. Uh, you'll hear Ed talk to John about, you know, why he chose Virginia Tech and, you know, how he's adjusting to life in Blacksburg, his experience at Memphis and more. So you're going to hear kind of two parts here. First, you'll be um, our discussion between Ed and I, and then you'll hear on the back end of this podcast Ed's interview with John Camden. So without further ado, here is the first Virginia Tech Hoops Pod of the year here for Sons of Saturday. Take a listen. Sons of Saturday, Virginia Tech Hoops pod. We are back. New season. Uh, same old podcast, though. Ed Williams has joined me. I'm Mike McDaniel. We haven't talked to you guys in a few months. I think last time we spoke was a little bit after the uh, loss to Texas in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but basketball practice is back and has started. ACC Media Day was today as we record here on Wednesday, October 12th. So we figured we'd kick the season off the right way. Ed, what's going on? much man happy to be back talking about some basketball it's always nice you know it's a yearly thing at this point by the time we start recording everyone's done with football and moved on to basketball so right yeah we're right back where we usually are in virginia tech sports world but it's a very exciting time to be a virginia tech basketball fan for both the men and the women and uh, both teams have a lot of exciting new players to talk about um and you know the sky's kind of the limit for both programs this year so i'm sure we'll do a lot more women's content as well on these podcasts because of what kenny brooks has got going on over there but Today, we'll mostly focus on um, where we left off and who's gone and who's in the program now. And it's going to be a really exciting roster. So it's cool hearing Mike Young talk at media day today. Uh, he said this is the deepest team he's ever coached. So got to love hearing stuff like that from a six-time conference champion yes. uh, in the respective conferences he was coaching in. Uh, it's pretty pretty cool to hear that out of his mouth today. Yeah, very much so. Um, this was a Virginia Tech team last year that I think came into the year with pretty high hopes, but I think we all acknowledged that we weren't sure how deep they were at certain positions, right? And for Mike Young to come out and and say that is obviously very encouraging. So let's start with recapping last season. Obviously, Virginia Tech had a slower start to the, a very tough non-conference schedule, by the way, um, had a slower start to the year than I think you and I certainly expected. Um, and then obviously a slower start to the conference schedule than you and I expected losing a couple games in a non-conference schedule that, you know, 
we thought may have been wins really hampered Virginia Tech and made things a lot more difficult come January and February when Tech was trying to push for an NCAA tournament spot and didn't have a couple of really good non-conference wins to lean back on. Things were pretty, pretty tough. Virginia Tech played much better um, in the month of February, really back half January and through the month of February, really put themselves in, in a good position, at least to be on the bubble going into the ACC tournament. Then going out and, of course, winning the ACC tournament is you know, something that Virginia Tech really needed. Weren't sure how many games they really needed to win in the conference tournament to get into the field, but we figured at least two, maybe three wins given how Virginia Tech was kind of lacking a bunch of quality wins on the resume, right? And it was kind of an up and down year, obviously finished on on a high, you know, winning the ACC tournament, but then a disappointing first round exit, Ed, no doubt about it. I think, you know, we knew it was going to be a tough matchup for Tech against that Texas team, but Texas had been up and down a lot last year. They were facing a really good coach and Chris Beard and Tech, unfortunately, bounced in the round of 64. It's a very interesting year because overall, most things were disappointing. The way it ended was disappointing, and the majority of the regular season was super disappointing. You start 0-4 in the conference, start then you'd only win two out of your first nine ACC games, and then you just go on an absolute tear, finishing at 11-9 in the conference and 23-13 and 13 on the season. Um, but there, it was rough in there, man. It was, it was hard, and it was hard to get on here and continue to tell people that this is a good basketball team with talent. Uh, I'm glad we were able to see it all come to fruition in the way that we all thought it would preseason um, guys like Kevin Aluma and storm Murphy and uh, Naheem Aline are all gone, but they all had a big impact on what that team was able to do in turning it around last year and ultimately finishing with, you know, an ACC championship. So it went from a very disappointing season, almost for the majority of it to the highest, the highest highs this program has ever seen in terms of, you know, the ACC. So it, it was a very weird year. Um, but overall, you know, no one's upset about it now in hindsight. Maroon and orange confetti and a banner is going to go up in Castle Coliseum. Um, but it is really weird to look back and see how that year unfolded. Um, but I'm very excited moving forward and, you know, what those guys were able to build here and the culmination of it in Brooklyn. But overall, very odd year when I was looking back at it today. I mean, I, I don't think you or I thought that Virginia Tech had any chance of winning an ACC tournament with a two and seven start to the conference season, right? I think going into the year, you and I thought that, you know, it was certainly possible with the team that Tech had, you know, returning with Kebe Aluma coming back and Justin Mutt still in the fold, bringing in Storm Murphy, you know, upgrading, we thought, at point guard from from Wabisabidi to Murphy, at least on the offensive side of the floor. And then Storm Murphy really struggled for a good portion of last year. And then I thought really, as he started to turn things around, I felt like that's when Virginia Tech started to turn things around. It's it started to click for him. It started to click for Darius Maddox. And all of a sudden, Virginia Tech was a pretty dangerous basketball team down the stretch last year because it really felt like guys started to find their role, got more comfortable in the roles that they had. And I thought, really, that started with with Murphy and Maddox. Obviously, Murphy's now gone, but Maddox returning and, and should have a much, much bigger role here as he moves into his junior season. But Ed, it, it did really feel like a lot of the guys who are going to be around this program this year kind of went through some growth last year, right? Specifically with Maddox, but also guys like Sean Padula playing a lot of minutes as a freshman. I think that's really going to benefit Virginia Tech, something you and I had talked about on this podcast last year. Like, get these young guys some minutes because what's going to end up happening is Tech is going to have some of these veterans leave and then they're going to have to really lean on guys like Padula and Max, which it's really going to be a starting backcourt this year. 
Yeah, and the way things unfolded last year, especially in the early part of the year when guys like Naheem Aline and Storm Murphy were struggling, it made it really difficult for the staff to find kind of a soft landing spot to get Maddox and Padula into the game early in their careers. I mean, Maddox, obviously, this was his second year in the program last year, uh, but not a whole lot of playing time as a freshman. So, you know, it was kind of their indoctrination to college basketball. And when the vets were struggling, they couldn't put the young guys in the game because they were having a hard time winning games. Um, but as Maddox and Padula grew defensively in particular, um, the ceiling of this team continued to grow and grow and grow all the way into Brooklyn. And, you know, Darius Maddox it was really, really cool quotes from him. I think about a week ago talking about, you know, his struggles and his growth and how he really had to look himself in the mirror and recognize that he wasn't handling things the right way. Um, and for the staff to stick with him and have those tough conversations. And, you know, you see the kind of player he is now that he's, I guess, figured it out, figured out how to be a, you know, ACC basketball player and a guy who uh, I think a lot of people expect to have a breakout year in the conference and nationally. So I'm really excited about Maddox. Uh, those were awesome quotes to see from a college kid just saying, you know, I wasn't doing what I needed to do. And then as soon as that switch flipped, man, he took off. And same with Sean Padula. I mean, to play those minutes as a freshman at point guard in the toughest conference in the country, I was super impressive, and I, I know everyone's raving about him going into this year as well. Another year in the program, like it sounds like put on some weight in the weight room, which is a good thing. Um, and I, I'm really excited about our backcourt. Those two uh, in their you know second and third year in college basketball now, sky's the limit for both of them in their careers here. So I, I'm really looking forward to watching them. But, yeah, it was, it was just, again, super weird year. Um, and then by the time those vets were playing well and Storm Murphy, like you talked about, they couldn't really take Maddox and Padula off the floor. So it all kind of just came together in a really, really weird way that we'll all talk about forever. But I'm really looking forward to uh, who's back and the growth, hopefully continued growth from especially those two young guards and Padula and Maddox. Yeah, so let's let's talk about the departures. I, these kind of go hand in hand, obviously. You and I had a rough outline. We were going to talk about last year, then we're going to talk about the departures, and then the new arrivals. It all kind of goes hand in hand. So let's start with what Virginia Tech is losing, right? They lose Kebe Aluma, head of the snake, right? I mean, he was a guy offensively that was a real problem for, you know, a lot of opposing ACC defenses throughout his career at Virginia Tech. And I think Tech's going to miss his presence offensively, obviously, and and. You know, you don't just replace a guy like Aluma overnight. And we'll talk about the additions that Virginia Tech has coming in, and I think it will help to at least ease that burden a little bit. But losing Aluma is obviously pretty tough. Then you lose Naheem Aline, who transfers to UConn, who, you know, I, I think you and I, Ed, saw the writing on the wall here with Aline because the way that Darius Maddox's minutes progressed, like we were just talking about um, towards the back half last season, how he was playing, in the conference tournament, it was pretty clear that, you know, it was going to have to be Maddox or Aline in the starting lineup, right. Uh, coming into this season um, because Hunter Couture had played too well all year. Um, obviously was hitting a, hit a million threes in the AC championship game. He just lights it up. He's really good in the tournament. Um, but, you know, you knew he was not going to see the starting spot and it was going to have to be coming from, Naheem Aline, right? And it was going to be his minutes that were going to go away. So him transferring out the program to UConn, not a huge surprise. And then Storm Murphy, of course, exhausting his eligibility, which is kind of a bummer considering how he played at the at the tail end of last year. He was really starting to figure it out. And just he's starting to figure it out. He's gone. So, but then again, Sean Padula now played 
major minutes last year. He's going to have an even bigger role this year. So let's talk about the guys that are lost, right? You lose three, three out of the five in the starting lineup. Yeah, Coach Young talked about this today at ACC Media Day. He said, well, you know, he was asked about the departures, and he said, well, you know, if program's running correctly, you're supposed to lose talented guys every single year, but you're supposed to have talented guys right behind them. Um, in the instance of Murphy and Aline, I'd say we absolutely have talented guys right behind them in Sean uh, Padula, Darius Maddox. I mean, Hunter Couture was playing right alongside those guys, but similar position. And then you bring in a freshman like Rodney Rice and MJ Collins. So the guard position is in great hands right now. Um, guys with some guys with really, really high talent level and some good experience, as well as some freshmen with some crazy high talent level um, and no experience. So they'll be able to get hopefully that soft landing I talked about that Padula and Maddox didn't get last year. The question comes at the big man spot, right? You lose a Luma and who's going to replace him. That's really hard to do. You don't just replace 16 and seven and second team right. all ACC player overnight. Right. That's really hard to do. And I heard Couture uh, and Mutz talk about the, that today at ACC media day. You know, you can't just replace Kev Luma and the production he brings you on both sides of the ball. He covered up a lot of things on defense with his ability to rotate in the correct positions and getting guys way and alter shots or block shots. So the real question I have about the lack of big man depth is defensively more than it is offensively, because I think those guards are good enough to pick up any slack that was left by Kevin Aluma's departure. I think Padula and Max will more than pick up that slack offensively, but defensively, who's going to be able to step in and fill those shoes and alter shots and block lanes and do all the things that Kevin did that I think some people might've overlooked because of how talented he was on the offensive side of the floor. So that's going to be really interesting. And, the staff absolutely hammered the portal this year to try to solve that equation, bringing in someone like Grant Facilli from Wright State, not really an Aluma-style player, maybe defensively, but should bring a lot of the similar aspects offensively, the ability to stretch the floor and hit a three, probably even better than Aluma could. Uh, he can score it in multiple different ways, and he's a really good rebounder, but defensively I'm not really sure how that's going to look yet, and I'm looking forward to finding out in November. And then Malaja Poteet is a player that, uh, came in from Rice, big-bodied guy, like 6'8", 250, um, an absolute bruiser. And Mike Young's been really, really high on him. Uh, every chance he's kind of gotten to talk about newcomers, Maja Petit's one of the first names out of his mouth. So I think we're well-positioned at the big man spot for things to fall into place. The question really will just be how long does that take and what does that look like ultimately? Yeah, and I, I you took the words right out of my mouth. Like The question for me is – what is this going to look like defensively, right? Because we kind of knew what Kefe Aluma was offensively, and we knew that he had his limitations defensively, but he wasn't by any means a bad defender. Um, we, But we knew what his limitations were, right? And Virginia Tech was really, you know, missing like the shot-altering big man. And I think they have options to kind of get that production that they didn't have on that defensive end with Aluma and maybe use a handful of guys. I think it's going to have to be a handful of guys to kind of supplement offensively what you lose in 16 and seven second team, all ACC. Like again, don't replace that overnight. Everybody can acknowledge that that's going to be tough to replace. Um, but Justin Mutz returning is gigantic, um, a gigantic part of the front court equation. And then some of the guys you mentioned, the fact that Melijah Petit is, and you mentioned this before we hit record is, consistently being brought up by Mike Young every time he has press availability, it's probably pretty telling that he's going to play a good bit, right? Um, coming in from Rice, Grant Basile, really excited to see him play. Um, yeah, again, had a nice career at, at Wright State. Offensively, pretty solid player. Um, I think he's going to be a big part of the equation to, you know, 
eat up some of those points that are left behind by Aluma. Um, so I, I think Basili is going to be a big part of the equation, likely going to be a starter. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how it shakes out in the front court. Because like you mentioned, the back court pretty set. Like we, we know it's going to be Kadula, Maddox, and Couture. And then it's going to be some combination behind them of MJ Collins, Rodney Rice when he's healthy. Um, you know, sounds like he's a little banged up. So whenever they get him back, um, he'll be likely be part of the equation. And then, you know, wing, wing is kind of a work in progress too, right? Like Darren Buchanan, pretty solid player um, in the DC Metro area, right? Like you don't get named all met for nothing, but he's a little bit more raw offensively. Um, He's crazy athletic. And I think he's going to be a guy who absolutely is going to be able to produce, but you know, is that going to be this year? I don't know. And then a guy you just interviewed, Ed, John Camden. Tell us a little bit about him. I mean, you got a pretty good feel. I edited that podcast. Nice job, by the way. Uh, I, that'll be uh, that'll be posting here soon. Um, but yeah, Camden's a guy who's, who's coming in who should make a pretty big impact, I think. Yeah, it was really fun to sit down with John and talk to him for a little while. We only talked for like 15 minutes. I thought I'm going to be a quick hitter, but I just kind of wanted to introduce him to Hokie Nation because I know a lot of people are really excited about him. A highly touted high school prospect with a lot, a lot of skill on the offensive side of the floor. Uh, went to Memphis ultimately, um, didn't play it. Well, would have played there, but got hurt in his first game and basically just sat the entire year due to a foot injury. So um, I'm really excited that he's in the Virginia Tech locker room. He's a 3-4 kind of hybrid. Um, one of the things he talked about with me was work. he's working on the ability to defend multiple positions, uh, offer that lineup versatility that I think fans can see when you watch his highlight film. Um, but I asked him, you know, what what is something about your game everyone immediately needs to know? And he said, I'm a shooter, first and foremost, always have been, always will be. And I was like, well, this is the perfect guy for the Mike Young offense. Yeah, this is going to be great. So when you talk about that wing spot, I'm excited in Buchan- for Buchanan. I think he's going to have a really, really good career uh, in, at Virginia Tech. Um, but I think John Camden gives you a little bit more uh, immediately this year just due to that one year he did spend in a college locker room and practices and that kind of thing. So I'm really excited about John Camden. I think he brings a lot to you on offense, uh, the ability to shoot it right alongside of Padula and Maddox and Couture, but also the ability to potentially guard multiple positions and offer some lineup versatility that I know Mike Young uh, will get real creative with, especially offensively. So uh, they brought, they hit the portal hard, man. Basili, Petit and Camden, those were some really, really good gets that filled uh, very specific roles, each one of them. So I look forward to seeing those guys slide right in and play with Mutz and all the guards that we all know and love. Two big men we haven't talked about that I want to discuss a little bit. One is an incoming freshman, Patrick Wessler, who's a seven-footer, right? And then the other guy is another really tall guy who's been on the roster for a little while now that hasn't really contributed in a meaningful way yet in Lynn Kidd. Ed, you have been, and we've been talking about this, you've been bumping the... Lynn Kidd experience you want to see him break the rotation you want to see him be able to you know give Virginia Tech some lineup versatility on the defensive end of the floor you want him to have a role here real bad do you think it happens I do I think there'll be some level of a role and I think you know potentially there's a non-conference competition between him and Poteet for who's yeah. going to be the who's going to be that guy come conference yep. time um, but you look at Lynn Kidd and what's the not to be excited about? He's a ginormous, like, seven-footer with a 40-inch vert. Um, you would think that he's a shot-blocking and rebounding machine. And 
uh, from every, you know, all the little clips that the team puts out and stuff, you can definitely tell that he's hit the weight room hard. He's gotten a lot stronger um, and he looks more confident with the ball in his hands in uh, granted very short clips. Right. Um, but somebody with that athletic ability has all the tools in the world. Uh, came, went to Clemson a year early, would have been a high schooler there, left, came to Virginia Tech and sat out what would have been, you know, by his by year, his true freshman year last year. Right. Um, so I'm looking for him to maybe take a step up and challenge for some minutes, especially given the potential for defensive and rebounding prowess that someone with that athletic ability has. So I'm really interested to see Lynn Kidd. Patrick Wessler, seven footer out of Charlotte. Um, it's really hard to play as a true freshman big man in the ACC, especially when you're seven feet tall and probably need to spend some time in a college weight room. But long term, uh, I view him in a very similar light as Darren Buchanan, a super successful high school basketball player who I think will have a really, really good college career at Virginia Tech, uh, you know, two or three years down the line. Uh, Darren Buchanan will probably get on the floor a little bit quicker just to, by the nature of his position. Yeah. Um, but it's it's tough for a seven footer to just jump right out of high school ball into the ACC and guard Armando Baycott. So I look for Wessler to more or less take a redshirt year, but a super talented freshman and a really good recruiting get for the Hokie staff. Yeah. And I, it's important to know too, like a lot of these guys still have a COVID year available, right? So like Hunter Couture, for example, Lynn Kidd, like Hunter Couture's list is a senior. He's still got a COVID year. Like uh, that's, that's something that's going to be really important to monitor towards the end of the year, you know, wherever Virginia Tech ends up, you know, what's the status of Hunter Couture? It'll be very similar to the conversation we were just having about Justin Mutz um, this past off season, wondering what is he going to do? Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Is he, you know, what's he going to do? I guarantee you if Hunter Couture lights up the ACC with his three-point shooting again, he might be looking at professional prospects, right? Um, maybe not at the NBA level, but maybe elsewhere, who knows? Um, and that might be a little bit more enticing than returning to a college game. But, you know, for, for a lot of these guys, it's really important to kind of keep that in mind. Lynn Kidd, especially a guy who's still kind of developing and is hoping to break in and have more of a role this year. You know, there's still some time here. He's listed as a junior, but he's got three years of eligibility left, including this year. So, you know, that, that stuff is really important to, to note, you know, as we kind of get further away from the, the weird 2020, 2021 basketball season and kind of, kind of fast track things now into the future with guys rolling out of the program, guys rolling into the program too. I agree with you on your Darren Buchanan point by nature of the position. Um, and that's kind of why I brought up the Hunter Couture eligibility thing, because if Couture does leave, right. And Buchanan kind of has a little bit of a lighter role this year, who, who knows how this turns out by the way, but let's say that as a true freshman, he has a little bit more of a lighter role in year one. I think there's obviously opportunity there for him. If a guy like Couture moves on, um, obviously Grant Basile only has one year left. He's graduate transfer, you know, so this will be his only year with the program, very similar to what Storm Murphy just did a year ago. Um, so there's going to be opportunity for, for guys to get on the floor. A lot of these young guys, you know, sooner rather than later, even if they are, you know, maybe a little bit quieter as, as freshmen redshirt freshmen here in year one, but I like the roster. I think it's versatile. I do think it's a deep roster. I think it's a lot deeper than last year. Um, there's a lot of more playable depth, in my opinion, considering how they hit the transfer portal. Um, you know, I, there are highly touted recruits that we envision having a, a big role, right? And MJ Collins and obviously in Rodney Rice once he gets healthy. And I guess that's, you know, once again, we're putting a lot of stock in some of these freshmen to produce. We did this a few years ago with Joe Bamisil and Darius Maddox Ed, on this podcast we talked about them having these huge roles that never really materialized. Obviously, Bambasil transferred to GW. Now he's at Oklahoma. And now Maddox is, 
is is back and has this big role with the team after kind of floating around for a couple of years, not really, you know, finding his way and kind of having that conversation last week with the press saying that, you know, he, you know, he's, he's very lucky to be in the position he's in now and, you know, taking the advice of the coaching staff and the coaching staff sticking with him when he probably didn't take basketball as seriously as he should. Right. He didn't practice hard as he should. He, he mentioned those things. So, man, I don't know. I, I feel really good about this roster top to bottom. I think, Tech is pretty deep in the backcourt. I think they're deeper than they've been in the front court. even if we don't know who is going to be starting, who's going to be coming off the bench yet. It doesn't feel like an all-or-nothing proposition like it did a year ago, where if the starters didn't produce, you didn't have anywhere to turn. It doesn't feel that way now, right? Like, it was basically a seven-man rotation for most of last year. And Mike Young has talked about how he would prefer it to be an eight- or nine-man rotation. And I feel like there's definitely potential for that with this year's roster when you consider guys who have played guys who are transferring in and then you add in the freshman talent on top of that i think this is definitely a deepest roster mike young's had at virginia tech yeah i think it has to be i mean i just staring at my little cheat sheet here but justin mutz hunter couture sean padula darius maddox elijah poteet grant Pasilli, john camden mj collins rodney rice that doesn't even count the potential of buchanan and kid playing um and and i think lynn kid will play so yeah, this is the most um, depth that I think we've seen. And I think we will see a lot of those guys play pretty good minutes in the non-conference. Um, you know, usually rotations shrink a little bit by the time conference play comes around, uh, or at least minutes shrink a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds. But um, I, and, you know, I think this is, a, this is a super talented team, especially on the offensive end of the floor. Mike Young talked about it today. He's not worried about the offense. He told the guys, you know, we're going to score plenty but they have some growth to do on the defensive end. And I think, you know, that's to be expected when you have a younger roster and some guys, you know, most of these guys have never played together right. outside of, you know, Couture and Mutz have played a lot of basketball alongside each other. And Maddox and Padula are kind of right there with them in that second wave, but everybody else is you know, brand new. Right. So it's going to, there's probably going to be some uh, growing pains, especially on the defensive end with rotations and things like that. But I, I still expect this team to be able to score enough points that they don't have any, have any real issues especially in the month of november uh, and december in the non-conference schedule so i look forward to seeing how the roster unfolds um super super talented i'm so excited to watch a full season of starter minutes darius maddox and sean padula yeah because you could see it last year when those guys got out in transition it was something that the rest of the lineup just couldn't do they're just different level athletes and then the storm murphy's of the world and you know different style of play that allows you to do more things and I think, you know, there's there's lineups here where all five guys can shoot 35% plus from three. Yeah. Uh, including Grant Facility and Justin Mutz. So um, it, it's going to be a really fun team to watch on the offensive end as they work through what I anticipate to be some minor growing pains defensively when you lose a guy like Aluma. So I'm really excited. I know Justin Mutz is uh, very upset about his getting snubbed in the defensive player of the year. Uh, end of season votes last year. He talked about that today at media day. And I talked to him about that at um, the Sons of Saturday football kickoff event against uh, the Boston college weekend. So I know that that's front and center on his mind that he wants to uh, show the entire conference, how good of a defensive player he is. Uh, and I think that would be really helpful to have someone with that level of intensity and a drive defensively to help guide along the rest of the younger lineup as things come together. 
So, Ed, we don't want to waste all of our preseason content on this here podcast. We'll get into the schedule and stuff like that um, on a subsequent recording. But what I do want to say is I can't guarantee much, but you mentioned the five player, you know, their their potential for five player lineups where everybody shoots like 35% plus. I can't guarantee much, but I can guarantee Virginia Tech will be one of the premier three-point shooting teams in the country in terms of shot attempts from three and probably field goal percentage from three. Um, they were, I think they, they could have been even better than they ended up being last year uh, when you consider how poorly Storm Murphy and Naheem Aline shot the ball from three um, for a good portion of the non-conference schedule. Um, Aline, never, it never really came around for him, but for Murphy, it did. So imagine if we had a full year of Storm Murphy kind of shooting the way that we know he's capable of. I think there's definitely lineups in here where a bunch of guys can make a million threes, and that's how Mike Young likes to play, get out in transition and just, you know, shoot the lights out. Like you mentioned, though, certainly some growing pains are to be expected, especially on the defensive end. So I think fans, and I'm asking a lot of Virginia Tech fans here, especially after what everybody endured last basketball season, but if last basketball season taught us anything, it's that fans need to stay patient with the roster, right? Ideally, Virginia Tech doesn't put themselves in position again where they have to like win a million games in February and then like literally win the ACC tournament to get in, right? Like that's the only way that Tech was going to be guaranteed, absolutely guaranteed to be in the field last year was to win the ACC tournament. If they didn't, it was going to be a really stressful selection Sunday, right? Even if they advanced to like the semis, which, you know, once they get made to the ACC championship, we felt pretty good about it, but like hopefully tech doesn't put themselves in that position again, but I urge fans to definitely be patient with the roster. I think you bring up a really good point on the defensive end of the floor. It is going to take some time, but I think the upside is definitely there. It's funny. You mentioned that about Murphy and Aline and their three point percentages. We don't remember it this way, but Aline actually shot a higher percentage on the year from three than storm Murphy. Did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Storm I, didn't I shoot well at all for, I mean, he didn't shoot well at all for like 70 or 80% of the season. He shot it terribly. Yeah, he was very hot or cold. But I do want to point out, too, I think that while this team is going to be able to shoot threes at a high clip and a high percentage, this is also a team that's more multidimensional offensively. Yes. You have three guards who can go get their own shot now, Padula, Maddox, and even that's part of Hunter Couture's game we saw at the end of the year, the ability for him to get open and get his own shot. Whereas at the beginning of last year when all the struggling was going on, late in the clock it was either dump it to a Luma or a lean isolation. And now there's a lot more versatility and the ability to go get your own shot. And I think that will open up the floor for guys like John Camden to hit a three or Grandpa Silly to hit a three or even Justin Mutz. So I, I think the guard's ability to penetrate offensively will open the whole floor up for everybody else. And we should see a more multidimensional offensive approach from the Hokies this year. Totally agree. I think you and I were the two staunchest defenders from Naheem Aline and the entire fan base just because we know what a poor hand he was dealt offensively for a good portion of the season last year. Um, there's a reason why he shot as poorly as he did. Yes, some of that's his own doing. He missed a lot of open shots too, but he was also thrust into positions where it's like late in the clock, five seconds to go, and you're putting up a prayer. I mean, it just was not not the best offense for Virginia Tech for a good portion of last year. He's going to have a good year at UConn for what it's worth. And yeah. I'm happy for him. He's an ACC champ. He'll forever be, I'll forever be a fan of his. And I think UConn was a really good landing spot for him because you're right. As you touched on earlier, good luck keeping Darius Maddox off the floor this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Max had to play and that's kind of the consequence of it. Ed, anything else before we get out of here? No, man, I'm really excited. Um, I'm really excited for this season. We'll have a lot of really good basketball content coming forward on both the men's and the women's side. Uh, look for that John Camden interview to drop here shortly. I'm not sure what order this is going to come out and either that's going to come out first or this, but 
either way, that's on the way. And John, I was really thankful for John hopping on with me for a little while and introducing himself, a uh, player that I think fans are going to be a big fan of for years to come here in Blacksburg. So keep an eye out for that. But other than that, looking forward to it. We're inside a month now till tip off. So uh, go Hokies. Yeah, it's coming quick. Go Hokies. Virginia Tech fans, I'm here with the newest member of the Virginia Tech basketball program, John Camden, transfer from Memphis. John, how are we doing today? Doing great. Doing fantastic. Well, I appreciate you joining me. Uh, I know everyone's very, very excited for this year's basketball team, um, and you're a big piece of that. Uh, yeah, this offseason was very interesting for the program. Lost some names that a lot of fans know, but brought in a lot of really, really talented younger guys, including yourself and all the freshmen, a couple other transfers. But Wanted to take a moment to introduce you to the fan base here. Uh, you're coming over from Memphis where you had a year where you got hurt first game. I know that must have been a brutal, uh, brutal season for you. But talk a little bit about the adversity you faced there and, you know, being injured literally from the first time you step on the floor through the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of kind of going into uh, preseason and going into the season uh, at my first season at Memphis, I was dealing with some uh, foot issues. And I eventually had to get surgery last year. Um, so losing my first year, uh, definitely was tough. Um, but fortunately, you know, I'm seven months post-op now. Um, and I've, you know, just been leaning on my family members and uh, my trainers and people who are helping me, um, get back on the court physically, but also mentally. Um, so it's definitely been a journey, but, um, you know, I'm super excited and, uh, I'm healthy for this season. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm sure there's lots of things, you know, when you're adjusting to college anyway, that, Having a full year not playing, it, I'm sure it stinks, but at the same time, you probably learn a lot and grow a lot as a person. No uh, doubt. Family for the first time. So that's for good. Sure. You took a positive spin on it. Mm -hmm. uh, second question is super basic, man. Why Virginia Tech? What led you to come to Virginia Tech? Um, you know, previous relationships you had with the staff, et cetera. But I'd love to hear more about why the Hokies were the right fit for you. Yeah, so I had uh, some good relationships uh, with the Virginia Tech coaches, um, but I also have some family ties to Virginia Tech. Um, so my, my dad went here, um, as well as a lot of my cousins. Um, so when I took my visit, I really just bonded with the team, bonded with the coaches. Um, and the campus really just felt like somewhere I could see myself in the next four years. Uh, so I'm super happy with my decision. Um, like I kind of just felt like home. Well, we're absolutely happy you're here. But follow on question to that, then. What's your earliest memory in Blacksburg? <clears throat> my earliest memory in Blacksburg? It has to be a football game. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure who they played, but I was probably um, in like fourth grade. Um, and I have like a picture on my phone of me eating a turkey leg in like fourth grade um, with, with my dad. So I've been to a, a few football games, um, you know, growing up, um, but it was always like an atmosphere, you know, that I loved being around. So that's awesome. Yeah. I know there's some guys who are in the Sons of Saturday world who still haven't had a turkey leg, including Billy Ray. You know, <laughs> have to get in after that at one of these games. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is it about this staff that, you know, you, you know, into it, knew you wanted to be around, but also since you've been here that you were, that has taken you back or you've been really impressed with, with the culture, or the coaching. What about these, this group of guys and the coaching staff drew you to here? Yeah, the culture here is really just, is honestly what drew me here um, because, you know, the most important thing for me this time around 
was environment and you know where I'm at on a daily basis and the people I'm around um, because you don't want to be in a place where you know you're walking into the gym every day and everyone's you know in a bad mood or um, you know no one's bringing positive energy or whatever the case is Um, and so I could just tell that these um, these players um, and the staff are all super genuine and they love what they do Um, and they just really brought bring positive energy and I've seen that you know for the first four months that I've been here. Awesome. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your game specifically. So you're kind of unique in that you're a six, eight forward, but you can put the ball on the ground. You can shoot it from the outside. Uh, you open up a lot of versatility for Mike Young and his staff lineup wise, uh, which is very exciting. So what are the top three things about your game specifically that Virginia Tech fans should know heading into the season? Uh, yeah, I think number one, I've always I've always been a shooter. That's always been my thing. Right. Um, if you, you watch me play, you'll, you'll immediately say, you know, he's a shooter. Um, but I am kind of like that stretch four, um, so I am uh, able to play multiple multiple positions. Um, the biggest thing I'm working on right now is guarding multiple positions um, on the other end. Um, that's one of Coach Young's uh, biggest things for me is just being able to guard, you know, the three, four, um, two, whatever, so that we can switch on defense. Um, but yeah, I would say shooting and then just my versatility, uh, being six eight, I'm able to rebound, get some rebounds, um, and just play multiple positions. It's exciting to hear that defensive versatility is something that, you know, opens up all kinds of stuff on both ends of the floor for mm-hmm. the team. So between you being able to guard multiple positions, that'll be really helpful as mm-hmm. the season progresses. Um, what are you most excited about with this team specifically? Mm-hmm. That style of play, guys uh, <laughs> and their games and how they progress through preseason. Give us an inside scoop as to what's, what's, what should we be excited about come November? That's a good question. Um, I can answer that a lot of ways. I mean, like me personally, I'm most excited, um, you know, for conference games, being in the ACC, playing um, in, in packed arenas. Like that's what I'm most excited for. But for the fans, one thing um, I think that it'd be good to keep an eye out for is, is our lineups. Like we have a lot of a lot of versatile players um, on this roster. Um, Grant Basile, he's a, he's a transfer. He's coming in. Um, he's about six nine, and he can play kind of the stretch five. He can play the stretch four, um, but he's super versatile. So we just have a lot of guys that can play multiple positions. So I think that um, gives us a lot of opportunity um, to play, you know, different lineups, play different guys, um, and you know, get some get some uh, wins. So yeah, it, there, there does seem to be a lot of uh, pieces that Mike Young and the staff can play with this year, and a lot of creativity with that. For so sure, exciting to see. Um, guys like yourself and Grant and Justin, who are all very versatile in that four-ish hybrid spot. Uh, what about the guards? How, how are the guards looking? Everybody looking all right? You've been impressed. No, the, the, guards are, the guards are, I mean, we're, we're turning three of the best um, guards in ACC and Sean Hunter and Darius. Um, so that's a, you know, that's a backcourt that's that's pretty scary in my opinion. Um, you know, Darius is somebody that I try to guard in practice every day. He doesn't always go my way. Uh, he's, he's so talented. Um, so those guys just, they just make shots, they make the right reads, um, but they're also awesome to play with. So I know I love our, I love our backcourt for sure. That's fantastic. Yeah. It, it, everyone's very excited about those three specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. How about some of the other newcomers, any of the freshmen, uh, other transfers that, you know, tech fans should know about and do their homework on going into the year? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, at the big, big man position, Melagel coming from Bryce. Um, he's a big body. He's he's really talented, has a nice touch, um, but can also bang down low. Um, so I think he'll be a great addition this year. And then freshman Rodney Rice will be great. 
Um, he had a great um, preseason. Um, and then MJ Collins has been, uh, you know, fantastic in preseason. Um, he's probably been, you know, the biggest surprise in terms of his production. He's a great defender and then really makes shots on the offensive end as well. So I can't, uh, can't wait to play, you know, be on the court with them um, and some of those uh, new guys. Yeah, I know a lot of those, I mean, all those guys you just mentioned have a very bright future ahead of them. So it's exciting to see a bit of an infusion of youth into the program. All right, so let's turn the page here. Let's just go rapid fire really. You, I mean, we don't have to go super rapid fire because we've already been going this quick. But <clears throat> favorite restaurant in Blacksburg? Oh. You can favorite. give a couple because I know it's tough. Favorite restaurant in Blacksburg. I like Cabo. I do like Mellow Mushroom because I'm from the north. We didn't have that. And I, I do like Mellow Mushroom a lot. Um, what else do I like? Um, I like Roots. Shout out to Roots Natural Kitchen. Uh, there, we go. there we go. Yeah, shout out to Roots. Uh, they they uh, keep me eating well. Um, trying to think if there's anything else um, that, that comes to mind. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with those there. Yeah, those are solid. Those are some good options for sure. All right, and then to go back on that one, favorite dining hall? Uh, I'm, I live off campus, so I actually don't have any email plans. Dude, you basketball players, man. We asked uh, to tour this at uh, an event we did, and they both were like, oh, we don't eat, off, we don't eat on campus. Yeah, exactly. So, I, so we, well, we have the, the sport, um, okay. the SAPC, the Sports and Performance Center. So that's where athletes can eat twice a day. Um, great meals there. So I guess I can say that for the dining hall. I mean, I've obviously never been there, but I'm, I'm hoping it's similar food to the rest of the dining halls because there's some really good spots on campus. You got to go to West End. It's like right there. Just walk across from Capitol, go over there and get some food. I'll try. I'll see if I can. your horizons a little bit. I'll try to leech off one of the uh, the freshmen's real quick. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, make them buy you lunch. There you go. All right. If you could go the entire season only listening to one artist before a game, who would it be? I'll go a little baby. Um, I don't, I don't. I don't just strictly listen to rap like outside of basketball, um, but like when I'm warming up, working out, stuff like that, Lil Baby's probably my favorite. Yeah, you didn't even hesitate there. You knew that one right away. Yeah. <laughs> outside of basketball then? Uh, outside of basketball, I like, um, I'm kind of seasonal a little bit. So like in the summer, like I like country. I like, um, you know, kind of like upbeat, happy music, but then I also listen to a lot of R&B. R&B is probably my favorite genre. Gotcha. Yeah, the seasonal music changes. And I know too well. Yeah, All right. Who's the funniest guy on the team? Uh, it's tough. That's a great question. I got to either go um, June or also known as Darren Buchanan or Michael Ward for two very different reasons. Like <laughs> they're funny for, for in two different ways. But those two, those two in a room together, are, uh, everyone's going to be laughing. Yeah, there's always different ways to answer that because there's different types of comedy, but yeah. that's good. That's good. Need guys like that in the locker room for sure. Oh, All right. What's your favorite sport to watch or play outside of basketball? And it can be different for either one. Um, watch definitely football. I'm a big, always been a big college football fan. Um, and then play. I would almost say, I would almost say soccer, honestly. I, uh, I, I played soccer through um, middle school um, and like into high school. So um, I've always liked playing soccer, but uh, not a big watch soccer guy. Like I'm not a soccer fan in terms of watching, you know, watching the game. It's hard to watch in the U.S. because it's the first thing in the morning every day. Yeah. It's hard to watch over here. Um, and then what do you do in your free time outside of hoops? You know, watching TV, what, what do you got going on? 
Yeah, outside of hoops, um, I I'm into so like some content creation and, and things like that. Um, so like I you know make TikTok videos and stuff like that, growing my personal brand. Um, I've done a pretty good job of that. I'm up to like over a hundred thousand followers on there. Um, kind of following in my sister's footsteps. Uh, my sister plays basketball at Penn State. Um, and kind of does the same thing. She's at like over a quarter million followers, I think. Um, but yeah, I kind of like the content space. Um, that's why. You know, I'm taking a lot of like uh, photography classes and media classes, um, things of that nature. Um, so I'm interested in that space. Uh, but then yeah, also just being outside, hanging out with friends, things like that. So I mean, you probably just answered the question right there. But what's your favorite class at Virginia Tech so far? Something like that, I'm guessing. Favorite class at Virginia Tech? That's a good question. Um, I'll go, yeah, I'll go visual media just because I'm learning, learning a lot. This is, uh, we're learning how to do, use like Photoshop, InDesign, um, all the like Adobe tools. Um, but I've also met some cool people in that class um, that I've worked with like outside of, outside of class, so. Yeah, I actually took that class, but I'm sure it's changed a lot since I was been there because that, that was when the sports media analytics program was just launching. So I'm sure that right. class evolved tremendously since then. Right. Good one, that was a good one. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I'm, I don't have anything else for you. I mean, you've nailed all these questions, so it's been awesome. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, give you a chance to shout out anybody, teammates, coaches, family members. Go ahead and let it rip. Um, you know, shout out to my teammates, shout out to my family, back home, and you guys. Uh, can't wait for the season. Shout out to Hokie fans. Yeah, man, absolutely. I appreciate it again. Thank you for coming on. Uh, look, Everyone looks forward to watching you play come November, so – uh, keep keep slugging along. I know you've got like three more weeks of camp. The, the yes, dog camp, but you'll get through it and games will be here soon enough. So very yeah. excited to have you in Blacksburg. Thank you for doing this. And uh, go ahead and sign us off with the Go Hokies. Go Hokies. <laughs>